0: I'm Lawrence Holmes. I'm here until 2 o'clock. This hour is being brought to you by CarX Tire and Auto online at carx.com. Ray, let's welcome in the Cubs manager, David Ross.
1: This is the David Ross
0: Show. Chicago! Chicago!
1: Cubs manager David Ross on the Lawrence Holmes Show. My expectation is for us to win ball games. I mean, like, we're going to go out and compete really hard. I think it's a fun group. World Series hero. And now the 1-2 pitch on the way to Ross. One on, hit in the air, deep center field. Back goes Davis, back into the track, near the wall. Davis leaping, and that ball is a home run. David Ross with Lawrence Holmes on 670 The Score.
0: The Cubs manager David Ross joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Home of the world's largest sports book. Cubs and White Sox tonight over on the North Side, and we've got Rossi here on the score. Rossi, what's good, man?
1: Good morning, Lawrence. How are we doing, buddy?
0: Man, I'm doing great. Do you think you're gonna play baseball tonight?
1: I think so. I just got a weather update from our guy. Looks like things will uh the heavy stuff's out of out of range and maybe some light showers but it's gonna be a little cold a little windy and um, hopefully we get it in
0: when you have a day like this where the the weather's kind of up in the air what's the approach to keeping guys ready and on schedule
1: uh we you you know today it's nice when you kind of see it coming and and know the weather's going to be bad we cancel batting practice let them come in a little bit later let them spend time with their family we had a nice off day yesterday uh, coming back from Milwaukee, a nice win, beating Corbin Burns, and uh, we know how good he is. So guys played good uh, two days ago and, um, you know, enjoying that off day and just extending it, giving them a little bit of time, more time at home in the morning uh, to, to do what they need to do to have their own personal downtime, just coming a little bit later when batting practice is canceled and knowing the field's going to be a little – little, uh, the tarp's going to be on and going to be a little wet.
0: Do you think about some of that stuff, like all the the early days that you spent – like in clubhouses and where maybe you didn't necessarily need to spend that time there and that those hours could have been spent like hanging out with your kids or doing crossword puzzles or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, I mean, you want the clubhouse, you want the, uh, your work environment to be one that guys want to come to and hang out. I think the thing with the rain and, and some of the weather issues, it's, it's just miserable outside. We've got so much technology and, um, you know, facilities indoors, whether the the beautiful weight room or cages or um, the pitching mounds and the bullpen um, and the players lounge and and, uh, cafeteria just really nice areas the training room obviously all those things are super uh, up to date and we've got some great technology in there uh, that the guys can can monopolize their time uh, efficiently in there but uh, the other thing is like you just don't you know even as a manager and coach, you, you sit around a lot of times and the weather's bad and you've done all your homework, you, you're, you feel prepared, you feel ready. You just sit around and either play cards or uh, eat constantly or uh, just get tired sitting around. So we don't want those guys um, doing too much of that uh, if we can avoid it.
0: It's a weird question, but I mean, I guess all of us are, especially those of us that are in Chicago are dealing with it. And you guys had a trip to Atlanta, which was good weather down there. But it. this has been about the strangest April that I've ever seen, and I've lived my whole life in Chicago. The sun is is something that usually brings energy to people. <laughs> so is it something that you have to keep in mind with players where they're playing on these gloomy days and gloomy nights?
1: Yeah, I mean, you you we, you don't want to ever make excuses, but you also have to understand, I feel like the last homestand just was, um, other than that 21-run night we had, uh, it was a beautiful day at Wrigley, um, some of the nicest weather we probably had all season. Um, you know, you can get over just playing constantly in this nasty weather. You know, it's part of the job. Guys go out and they compete really hard. But, yeah, you take that in consideration and understand every once in a while we'll, um, you know, take it out of their hands, hit indoors, try to, like I said, show up a little bit later. We are not uh, exposed to those elements all all day.
0: Watching Marcus Stroman in his last two starts, like he's he's been phenomenal, and I know that he had said there were a couple of things mechanically that he didn't like. What has he done in these last two starts that he hadn't done in the starts previous? I
1: think it's just a consistency of ramping up. To be honest, the short and spring training—I don't want to beat that to death—but you know he probably had another um, two starts in spring on a normal uh, schedule, so you. you you're a little bit not as built up and finding your rhythm in competition. I thought, um, you know, the ball was moving all over the place. He just didn't have his command quite yet. And uh, he started to lock that in in Atlanta. And you saw some spurts of one inning it would be there, one inning it wouldn't, uh, whether it's against the Pirates or um, whenever he he would start early on. And then you start to – find that rhythm, you have a little bit of success and you start to get out there and compete and be in that mode constantly. You see a performance, which I think he expects, we expect uh, from him uh, that we got on Sunday in Milwaukee.
0: He's talked about pitch mix too. And and I noticed that in the last start, he threw more sliders than sinkers. When you have a, a pitcher that has a variety of different pitches and you've dealt with all sorts of pitchers as their catcher, When do you know as a catcher if a guy has command? Is it as early as the bullpen or is the bullpen something you don't even take into account when you're out there catching a guy on what pitch he's got command of that day?
1: I think you just continue to follow the trends, right? You want to, uh, the bullpen's going to give you an indication of, um, what they feel good at, um, you know, whether they've got fastball command, the pin, I, I feel like the bullpen is like a, a batting practice. You can feel really good in batting practice as a hitter, or you can feel really crappy as a hitter. That doesn't indicate how your day is going to go when you get into competition, but um, it gives you a sense of like where you're at that day. And are you uh, working on something? Or are you just kind of, kind of free and easy? Um, but the bullpen is just, a, just a little bit of a precursor to, to what you're going to, uh, kind of pay attention to once you get out there. If the guy can't land, if your pitcher can't land the off speed stuff for strikes, you've got to try to hide the fastball, manipulate the fastball, and maybe you throw the off speed stuff for chase. But if they're landing the secondary pitches for strikes and, and don't have command of the fastball, then Um, you spray the fastball around a little bit take it up take it off the corners a little bit maybe um, set up a little bit off the plate and then you can get back into the count at any time if you feel like that stuff is still working in game so it's all about just paying attention to each individual pitch and and the confidence they have and the the great thing about Stroh is that um, you know he's a veteran pitcher and and knows what he wants to do so the pitcher will also tell you a lot like what they want to do or what they feel good with when they get into even counts, maybe a 2-2 count, 3-2 count. They start to get into uh, certain counts, and they'll shake to the pitch that they feel most comfortable with that day. That starts to give you an indication as well.
0: How have you guys done with Pitchcom so far?
1: I thought it's been a success. I mean, we've, uh, we've still got a mixture of guys that are coming with it, um, using it. Uh, it seems to be a nice rhythm. Uh, for guys, um, I think Kyle finally used it last start, um, where only at second base, um, everybody everybody seems to be adjusting to it. Uh, some guys like it, some guys don't, but uh, I think it's there and a, and a great option. And you don't you don't have that theory of you know the guy at second knows what's coming. And there seems to be a nice pace to the game to the guys that are using
0: it. Kyle is scheduled to pitch tomorrow against Lucas Giolito. He said that he's struggling to find rhythm. What's happening to him in those moments when he can't find rhythm?
1: Uh, The thing I think that he talks about the most uh, and that we see from the side is the ball gets just a little bit flat. When he's got angle and the sinker's sinking down underneath rather than running across the zone, he just got... More room for error and and you don't have to be so fine. Um, and then you know, it's a couple of the balls when they do get up. Guys, put better swings on it, and they, the ball gets in the air. He's a ground ball pitcher. Um, his last start uh, didn't didn't get a lot of balls on the ground. When he's when he's right, he's getting the balls on the ground and uh, getting guys to chase underneath. Um, that's his strength. So just a couple of those things. Um, you know, he, he's had some really good starts. I think there's you know probably more positives than negatives, but uh, we want to make sure we're when we do have one of those uh days where he doesn't feel quite as good and the ball is flattening out when he did kind of adjust off that a lot sooner than
0: we've done so far pretty dope to have Suzuki show up and and end up being rookie of the month for April how would you describe that 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 first month for him uh, it's
1: been great I mean he started off on fire obviously uh player of the week and then uh rookie of the month I mean um yeah I mean this guy is a a hard worker uh, he's calm his his swing plays uh, in so many different um, against so many different pitchers uh, he's got real bat to ball uh, skills and and can command the zone knows what he wants to swing at and and stays true to that um, He'll he'll be like any other player. I think he'll have some ups and downs throughout the season to continue to adjust, but so far off to a great start. Uh, he's played great defense for us and really been uh, a staple in our lineup that, that we really need right now.
0: You had talked to me two weeks ago about moving him up in the lineup, and we see him now in the two spot. Are you happy with his approach in the two spot?
1: Yeah, he's been good. I think I'll, I'll, I've talked to him a little bit. There's some days when we, we need a little more, try to stretch the lineup out when maybe some other guys maybe be scuffling a little bit. Um, and I've moved him back and forth a couple times, just trying to get back to that, that long lineup and making sure he's comfortable, but we'll continue to set up what's best and, uh, Happer swing the bat really well, um, in front of him. Wilson's off to a nice start, uh, using the whole field. Uh, we got to get the guys at the top going. Revas is starting to swing the bat really well so once we you know figure out um, who can be consistent and you know the guys that are struggling a little bit when they uh, work some things out and get get back going Frank Frank's time is not quite there yet Uh, Nick's time is not quite there Uh, you know some of these guys that are um, still finding their way we just got to kind of move them around and uh, try to surround them with some some guys that are swinging well wisdoms off to a a nice start hitting homers and and really uh, carrying his last season into this year.
0: Hap has got seven walks in his last seven games. So that's easy math for me. He's averaging a a walk (laughs) per game. Um, What does that open up when a player is, is okay with taking walks?
1: Well, I think that's the, it's hard to sustain It's hitting so hard Lawrence in this game. And you know, the great ones get paid a lot of money and and they're in there every day. When you can um, take your walks and not chase outside the zone, the, hitting uh, in general, it's hard to hit outside the zone. So if you're commanding the strike zone, hitting balls, swinging at pitches in the zone, you're going to have more success. When you start chasing outside of that and just trying to put battle on the ball, um, that's where you can get yourself in trouble. And it's hard to sustain, you know, average in this game. So taking your walks is really important to being a, a consistent major league baseball player. And I think that's uh, what Happer's trying to be. He's picked up, I have really been impressed with, his at bats from both sides. His right handed swing's been great this year. Using off the he's got a homer uh, off Max Fried the other day. Um, you know, really locked in off a really good lefty. And then he's been playing phenomenal, phenomenal defense for us. So, uh, all around a great start for Happer and, and been a real consistent um, player for us in the middle of our lineup.
0: Rossi, before I let you go, I had Mark DeRosa on the show a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I'm glad that, that you giggle because he giggled when I said your name. Uh, and so I asked him what he thinks of you. Here's what he told me. I know David very well. What do you think of him? I absolutely love the guy. I, I mean, I'll say this
1: about David Ross. The thing I respect most about him, obviously, is the career he's had, grinding it out, peaks and valleys of, of being a backup catcher and working himself into a starting catcher and being a mentor and being selfless as a manager, and as a player, wanting the best for the guy next to him, even if it took kind of a tough conversation. And there's not too many guys that have the ability to tell you the honest truth, good, bad, or indifferent, and get the same reaction, whether they're telling you the greatest thing or the worst thing. He is just an absolutely awesome guy to be around. I would
0: agree with that. Do you think that is a fair assessment of David Ross, the manager? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Listen, i love d-row and and i i appreciate those nice words that's so great i think you know when you start judging yourself and like i that's for you guys to do that's for the media that's for the radio shows that's for everybody outside i Sweet. try to be myself you know what i mean i try to i try to i try to be me i try to uh, i am i try to shoot guys straight for sure. I, I think the one thing that most major league players would tell you is they would just want honesty. They want truth. They want you to shoot them straight. They're, we're, we're at a grown men level and um, everybody just wants to know where they stand. And I try to do that. I try to do that as positively as I can. Sometimes those messages, um, you know, have to be a little bit more stern or um have a little bit more um you know emotion behind them but for the most part i just want uh, these guys are are trying to make careers they're trying to win championships for this great organization i'm trying to do the best i can my coaching staff works really hard Uh, we just try to try to support each other and be honest with each other love each other as much as we can and and try to win go out win
0: ball games rossi thanks man i hope that you play ball tonight and and i'm looking forward to the next time we get a chance to chat
1: all right, Lawrence. Good to talk to you. Talk to you soon.
0: You got it. That is David Ross, the manager of your Chicago Cubs. That was good. I enjoyed that. I, I really like Rossi. He's, and you know what? I'm going to put this down on the list for things to talk to him about next time. I want to talk to him about, like, framing. Like, really get into the weeds. I, this is one of those things where I need to go out to the ballpark and talk with him about talking about this on the show. But I really want to get into the weeds of framing. I'm fascinated by it and and I love to hear everyone's thoughts on what it is. Like I loved when Grand talks about it, he's really good at it. I like hearing him discuss it in depth. James McCann was a lot of fun to talk about it with. Joe Madden. Joe's approach is the one that I can relate to the easiest because it was so visual. He was talking about You know those little cups that you use at the water cooler that have the the point. He said, "Put that in the middle of your chest protector, and then think about trying to catch the ball inside of the cup." Like Joe's a really interesting dude, man. So I want to hear like what Rossi, like someone who has been catching in the major leagues for over a decade, like what he thinks of framing and like how to do it. So, Ray, I'm putting it down on my list. You put it down on your list, too, for things I'm going to ask Rossi the next time that I talk to him. It's interesting how many people had similar instances like I did when I was a kid with the dog thing. Like, I, dog people are interesting to me. Like, people that are all like, oh, dogs are great. And then, like, you go over to their house and their dog is climbing on you and you're like, can you get your dog? Your dog's making me uncomfortable. Does it make me a little bit anxious? And then they don't understand that, you know, like they love their dog and their dog loves them. Their dog might not necessarily love me. So, you know, just be easy. Like dog people, be easy with people. Let people, like, curb your dog and your enthusiasm. And, and let me build a relationship with your dog instead of the instant relationship that you think is there. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, coming up on the show, Alex Brown's going to be on the show today. I'm looking forward to talking to Alex about the Bears draft. Like, he, Alex is always like, like all over the place. He's like, I'm flying in. It, the text was at like four in the morning because he's like that so he's gonna be on the show at one o'clock today and we are gonna talk to him um I didn't do a top five for today today is Tuesday right Ray? I lose track of it. There is a top five that I've been dying to do and maybe we'll do it maybe we'll do it at 120. I wanted I want to do a top five on top five hairlines that I'm most jealous of because there's a bunch. That I'm jealous of. So maybe if we have time today around like 120 or 125, I'm going to do that. All right? We take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about Cubs, Sox, what it means, if it means anything. You're more than welcome to text the show. 312-644-6767. This is a great day to listen on 104.3 HD2. It's a great day to listen on the Odyssey app, and it's a great day to hang out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chicago670, the score. The reason why is that usually when there's rain or maybe there might be some thunderstorms in the area, the AM signal will get a little crackly. That doesn't happen on the app or on our HD2 signal. You can hear the bass in my voice when you listen on 104.3 HD2. I know not every car has it, most cars made after like my cars are 2015 and I have it might be time for a new car. Nah. Although I will say Ray, the Audi e-tron is calling my name. I was driving behind one this past weekend. I was like, Hmm, maybe that's the move. Cause this, this diesel fuel is getting, is getting ridiculous out here in these streets. I'll come back, I'll talk cubs Sox with you next here on the score. Yo, Holmes!
1: Lawrence Holmes. Holmes runs it really well, noon to two. Holmes doing what Holmes does on Sports Radio 670 the Score. Yo, Holmes! And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. It's time for the White Sox Minute. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat, the ball
0: goes flying, it is gone. We're we gonna be South South regardless. South slider. Hi Ma!
1: Go Sox, babe. The White Sox Minute on the Lawrence Holmes Show. The finale of this homestand. Take a ride with us for game number four of the Sox and the Angels series. Yeah. Strike three, on a slider, bottom of the zone, a one goal. Yeah. How about there, fastball away, strike three, and Dylan Cease with bookend punchouts. Away he goes on a heater. Dylan is carving again. For third. past to diving Mayfield. He dove early. Jose's on his way to third. Adele just got there. Jose's coming home. The throw is laid on him. And it's an RBI double for Adam Engel. Oh and two. Strike three. He struck Trout out a third time. Two and two. Strike three. There it
0: is. Liam was not messing around. And the Sox shut out the Angels. Good to see Liam back and looking healthy and getting people out. I don't know if you know this, but the White Sox did a tremendous job against Mike Trout in this four-game series. Yeah, he, he got a home run, but he also struck out quite a bit. And that's a good thing. Six strikeouts. Vince Velasquez got him on Saturday, which was crazy because he then got Shohei Ohtani right after that. I was in the house for that. And then four strikeouts for Mike Trout yesterday. Dylan Cease is... I was saying a couple days ago that the White Sox needed a performance from Dylan Cease where he goes seven innings, and that's what he did. He looks to be in full command of all the things that he's good at right now which is great news. It's wonderful news for the White Sox. Coming up tonight, and all indications are that there will be a game tonight between the Cubs and the White Sox. The matchup, the pitching matchup is Smiley versus the White Sox lineup, Kopech versus the Cubs lineup. Then tomorrow will be Hendricks versus the White Sox lineup, and Giolito versus the Cubs lineup. I feel like the advantage because Kyle Hendricks is out of sorts right now is probably with the Cubs, I mean with the White Sox. The thing about Hendricks, though, that I am concerned as a White Sox fan about going into this game is that Kyle's smart and he can look at what the White Sox offense has been over the last month of games and go oh there's a offense that is trying desperately to ambush pitchers and so can i get them to hit pitchers pitches early in counts the win was really like i had they lost the series to the angels like the, the series split to me was a big deal and the fact that they got exceptional pitching in yesterday's game is great. The offense has still got some issues. It's still a little bit broken, and they've got to figure out how to fix all of this stuff, and they got to do it soon. You start looking at at what guys are doing outside of T.A. and Vaughn. That lineup's rough. And this is, I was over at White Sox on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, I kind of went and, sat in the stands, but I did, you know, I talked with some people on my way in and on my way out Sunday. I had it as more of like a work day. I went and hung out inside the clubhouse, like wanted to get the vibe in the clubhouse, see what was going on, sit in on a Tony La Russa press conference, which is interesting. And, and talk to some people that I hadn't talked to in a while, because I haven't really, I haven't really worked games. I've gone to a few, I've, I've worked a couple of Cubs games Like last year, like I wanted to show my face to Rossi, like that sort of thing. I got to tell you, I was surprised at how good the vibe in the White Sox clubhouse is still. Maybe that's them being confident, being like, we know that we're good. And once we get our parts back, then we'll be good. I think that's what a lot of White Sox fans are holding on to is that you You look at it and go, how, how can you be bad when you have Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson and Lucas Giolito and Luis Robert and, in a couple months, Eloy? And when we were talking with Fegan yesterday, he brought up that he thinks that that we're past the rehab portion of Lance Lynn and we're now in the space where he's just getting his arm and body ready to come back and get into the middle of this rotation. They still have a lot of questions. Most of the questions revolve, I think, most of the questions with the White Sox revolve around their lineup and why they're struggling to hit consistently, why they're struggling with some situational at-bats. And I do wonder if where they're at philosophically, the idea of being aggressive, like the aggression at the plate, trying to get to the pitchers before the pitchers can get to you. If that means that they're going to struggle in games when they don't hit the ball out of the yard because they're not in positions to take walks. They're not letting it bats go long enough to take walks. And I, I actually do like, and I think understand the premise behind it, but you have to... You have to be willing to take your walks. Not everyone can be Tim Anderson. Like Tim can, let's see, Tim's hitting 330 right now or something like Let me take a look. I'm going to guess he's hitting 330. My guess is that his on base is around like 345. Okay? All right, I'm going to look. He's 346. Tim hits his way on. Like he's going to hit his way to a 340 on base with a couple of walks sprinkled in. He's an aggressive hitter. And what I wish that everyone, not everyone has the talent that Tim Anderson has, but I do wish that people would use his approach. If you've been watching White Sox baseball lately, what's Tim Anderson been doing? Hitting the ball to right field. You want to go outside? You want to pitch him outside? He is more than willing to, to punch a ball into the gap or over the second baseman's head. And I know that that is it, is it is part of his talent, but I wish that people would take more of an approach that's similar to what his approach is at the plate. Go the other way. See what happens. Make some things happen. Be aggressive, but be aggressive early in the count to push to right field if you're a right-handed hitter instead of trying to go yakatao over the left field wall. Because apparently the ball that, that is in play right now is not going to allow for you to go yakatao over the left field wall as much as you thought. Ray, did you think it was crazy that I asked the Rossi the question about like lack of sunlight and stuff? Oh, not at all, because this is something we've actually heard Steve Stone talk about, about hitting in the cold and the lack of the, lack of the sunlight. I totally get that. It's depressing. There's a lot of, you know, every team are is, getting, is using, like, mental skills coaches and, and all of that, exploring the mental side of the game. I think it's totally, totally valid. Yeah, like, I, I wanted to, because I know that it affects, like, the general population. We need to see the sun. Like, it's a big deal. You, if you're not happy, you're not going to perform well across any, in anything you're doing. And how about trying to hit a baseball that's coming at you super fast? I mean, got to be in the right headspace. That's why. That's why I dip out to Phoenix a lot because I. It's it's rare that I've gone there and it's been cloudy. And you get a couple hours of that, and you're like, oh, you know what? Things are going to be all right. Like, even this morning. And, and I'm, you know, usually I get up and I'm like, all right, let's get at it. And this morning, I was like, man, do I feel like, do I feel like going in today? Do I feel like going to the gym? Like, all of this stuff. And through April, all of us fought through it. And now here we are in May. And it's it's this. We don't even know if the other part. Just real quick. Why are the Cubs and Sox playing today and tomorrow? I get that they have to be two-game series, so that doesn't give you a ton of flexibility. There's a part of me that wishes that you just that you just make it a four-game series. You know what I'm saying? Like this is what's going to happen. Thursday and Friday, the Cubs will be at the White Sox. Saturday and Sunday, the White Sox will be at the Cubs. And there you go. It seems super early for this and also a little bit disappointing because both teams are nine and 13. Like what what a strange way for us to talk about the Cubs versus the White Sox the 9 and 13 Cubs. Wait, you know what you could say it differently though. <clears throat> Hold on let me let me try real quick. The 9 and 13 Cubs are looking up, right? The 9-13 and 13 White Sox are looking for a series win. You know, because they're different places because of expectations. The Chicago Cubs are coming off a win against Corbin Burns. The White Sox had to scramble for a series split against Joe Madden's Angels. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the one thing I love about this place, like, the score in general, is that we don't have to fake it. We don't have to act like this is the biggest thing in the world when we kind of don't feel like it's the biggest thing in the world. It's just weird, like, to look on your account and be like, oh, the Cubs and the Sox are playing? That used to be a thing, man. On these airwaves, you have, like, the... Like boxing bell and stuff promoting the game, the Cubs and the White Sox are gonna play. Which side of town are you on, Glenview? That's not a part of the city, Ray. I'm telling you right now, it's gonna be one of those days. It's one of those days when your host is gonna be a goofball, and that's okay. Alex Brown will join me at 1 o'clock. We'll get like super serious and like break down the draft and all that stuff. But I I do want to talk a little bit more about this and the concept of the lens that we view individual achievement from and team achievement from because of expectations. Oh, and I got my list of five guys whose hairlines I'm envious of. Although one of them I have a question about, and I might need to replace him, but we'll – We'll get to that, okay? That'll be my top five today. Alex joins me at one. More baseball talk on the other side of this. You're listening to The Score.
1: Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670, The
0: Score. April showers bring May flowers. So We had a tough little April personally and as a team. And now we're starting to turn around. Obviously, the five-run the five ending last night. I think was the uh, the precursor, and then watching the guys do it today and come through an extra run late, which is uh, which is huge. And then, I mean, I don't think you can say enough about what Cease has been able to do for the last whole uh, year. To be honest, I mean, he's been uh, he's been unbelievable. White Sox closer Liam Hendricks talking about the start of the season for the White Sox, them winning that game, shutting out the Angels, as they get ready to take. On the Cubs tonight, you will hear the game here on The Score. The schedule time for it is, what, 640? We'll see. They're going to play, I think, and Rossi seemed pretty confident that they're going to play. I don't know how much fun that's going to be, like slogging around in that outfield. And I know that that they did a great job with kind of changing the drainage that goes on at Wrigley Field, but... It's been raining all damn day. And it's pretty much going to stop right before they start playing. So its I I can't imagine that it's going to be a lot of fun. I was saying to Dan yesterday that it was jarring to wake up and look at the standings in the American League Central and see the White Sox being four and a half games out of first place. I understand it's the first week of May. I've gotten really tired of all of whenever you levy any criticism against the White Sox, the idea of it's early. It is the seemingly the only good argument that people want to make is really a terrible argument. What's scary about them being four and a half games back, before we start talking about how the White Sox are playing, how about we take a look at how the Minnesota Twins are playing? The Twins I want to say were on a 7-game winning streak and then they lost and now they're on a 3-game win streak. They're 14 and 9. They've been their pitching has been better than most than what most people thought they were doing. And if the White Sox have to fight to win the division, are they capable of doing it? And with the way that they're built up, I've got questions about that. I've I've got questions. and I'm not someone that thinks that you can throw away months. And I understand it's abbreviated month, but they threw away April. They just threw it away. Do you remember how impactful that April was last year, the year mean, save for them? I don't, I'm not here to tell you they're not going to win the division. I still would bet on them to win the division, I think. I just know that some of the stuff that has plagued them, and I was happy to see like the defense was a little bit cleaner yesterday. Some of the stuff that has plagued them has been evident inside of the 2022 season. Stuff that was happening in, in 2020, stuff that happened last year, has popped back up. I wonder how many games they would have won if their defense was just a little bit cleaner. Like, you know, not averaging an error a game. Cuz that's where they're at right now. And even in games when they don't have errors, they've they've had misfires and misplays and stuff. It's weird like the lens that we view both of these seasons. You look at the Cubs and you say all right, there's some good things that are happening for the Cubs. Like Marcus Stroman has been pretty good his last two times out. Ian Happ has been fantastic. Seiya Suzuki is the rookie of the month in the National League. And for a team with no real expectation, even sitting there with the exact same record that the White Sox have, you go, all right, you can see some things like percolating to the top. You can see, you can see that so far their scouts were dead on about Seiya Suzuki. And Ian Hap is becoming not just a pretty good ball player, but a leader on that team. And you're getting the Marcus Strowman that you were hoping you were getting after two kind of uneven starts. His last two have been terrific. I think he's 13 innings with two earned runs in his last two. So you see it, Robertson's closed games for them and has been really good at the back end. You do wish that some of the younger players, I'm, say it was rookie, but he's you know 27, that you were getting a little bit more out of them. Like you'd love to see Nico Horner take that next step. You'd love to see Madrigal stop striking out because what is it you do if you don't hit 300? These are legit questions. When we look at the White Sox 9-13, and because you were expecting their division is better, and I've made that case since the offseason, every one of these teams is just a little bit better, so the road for the White Sox might be that much harder. And what I mean by that is a game here or there. You look at the Royals and, and Cleveland, Minnesota especially, and Detroit. If each of them is a game or two better, This year, it makes it more difficult for the White Sox. And right now the White Sox have to climb out of this in May. I will tell you that having talked to a couple of people over there on Sunday, they know that it wasn't done maliciously. Like no one set out to do this to the White Sox, but they are a little like, man, have you looked at our schedule? Have you looked at, we don't play in any domes or warm weather cities till the middle of June? Isn't that weird? It is. It's in, it's incredibly weird. And they've got to figure out a way to rise above it. Expectations, man. It changes perception. The Bears had a draft. There's perception issues there, too. Was it good or not? I, I, I'm not sure. Alex Brown is going to help me get to the bottom of that, and we're going to talk Bears next here on The Score.